0: The most provocative right leaning podcast in America. I'm Brian Foster, the least woke man in America. Now, a lot of you are probably looking at the title saying vindication does not always feel good. Yes, and that's true. I think vindication, if you have a healthy ego, excuse me, which means my allergies are bothering me. Sorry, I'm just, you're not going to believe this, but I'm just as human as the rest of you. <clears throat> you probably listen to my podcast and I find that hard to believe, but it's true. No, but seriously, um, vindication, you know, when you feel exonerated, you've been right. The problem with it is if you don't think life is all about you, uh, if you're not AOC, if you're not Nancy Pelosi, if you're not Gavin Newsom, if you have a scope that goes outside of yourself, you realize that, yes, you might have been right, but you're not necessarily happy that you're right because you understand the repercussions to other human beings. Now, Brian, are you thinking, Brian, where are you going with all this? Well, there are some very troubling stories that have come out this week exposing the damage From these precious little lockdowns these lockdowns that were especially severe in blue states and so many of us warned about this and we were chastised especially if we didn't have a medical background even if we did have a pretty good background and an understanding of rights liberties a rule of law if we have a very constitutional based understanding of america we were still not allowed to have an opinion. Only Fauci and Burks and Democrats and Andrew Cuomo really knew what they were doing. A lot of us said at the time, "Is this healthy?" Uh, really stepping back, a lot of us didn't have trouble it problems with it at first. Let, let's let's go to the time frame here. COVID, we start to find out about it in February and March of 2020. The horrific videos come out. Of doctors in China screaming on the stretchers, and the hospitals are overloaded. A lot of those turned out to be fabricated, unfortunately. Well, I'm probably fortunate if it, you know, depending on how you look at it. But the, and then Italy. Italy became the big point of concern because it's a first world country, uh, free media, free press. We saw what was going on with northern Italy. Many elderly people, uh, chain smokers. Uh, It's a very wealthy area. Smoking is very, very big, very big part of the culture there. Uh, We're we're passing away. Hospitals were overloaded. Doctors and nurses were exhausted. We were told that was kind of the canary in the coal mine. That was the foreshadowing of what was going to come to the United States of America within a couple of weeks. Next thing you know, uh, Mike Pence leads the task force, Dr. Burke, Dr. Fauci, uh, 14 days to stop the spread or slow the spread flatten the curve, excuse me, flatten the curve, became the mantra. And next thing you know, there were shutdowns, lockdowns, whatever you want to call it, in many of the states, especially severe in the blue states. So that's where we were. And as time went on, many of us who are truth-oriented, many of us who are liberty-oriented, were concerned. We wanted to be responsible. We wanted to balance out stopping the spread of the disease. But unlike many, we didn't want to completely check out from the history of this country for the time being, the freest country in the world. And so we tried to balance it out. We tried to find out the truth. Eventually, the statistic, statistics came out. Excuse me. We were told by even Burke and Fauci that the elderly and people with pre-existing conditions were in the bullseye for the disease as far as dying or going on a ventilator. And at that point, as more statistics started to come out, many of us grew even more concerned of why lockdowns were necessary, especially with its specific specific areas, church, gyms, parks. Um, Some people, myself included, did see where maybe nightclubs, even though it was young people who are so overcrowded, certain forms of transportation that is so overcrowded, might needed some restriction, but there were certain things in particular. Once the truth came out, once we saw who was most vulnerable as far as why it was necessary. And we were demonized. Uh, You know, one of the things on the left, they couldn't help themselves. Well, how could you be pro-life? Say you're pro-life when it comes to abortion, but be against the lockdowns. But um, so we had all that thrown in our face. And, and again, it was troublesome because it was cast in a way, especially among the left and the left wing media, that we were being defiant for the sake of being defiant. That we were Paul, you think we're being Paul Revere and George Washington all over again. We're the ones standing up for the rights of the country. That, you know, we're leading anti government, blah, blah, blah. And, and it was all such nonsense. It was out of genuine concern of having rights suppressed, liberties suppressed and of the health effects of the lockdowns. You were asking people to stay inside, you, it, sometimes entire families, in a small amount of square footage in inner city apartments, etc. cetera. I don't know if any of you have spent 10 seconds in reality, but not all families are functional. So we were very worried about domestic abuse. Uh, we went into this with a massive problem nationwide with opioids and drug addiction. Many of us were acutely aware of that. And unfortunately, in the words of Reverend Jeremiah Wright, Barack Hussein Obama's pastor, the chickens have come home to roost because now we um, are realizing the damage that was done. Now, specifically, I'm pointing to the New York Times story that came out this week on July 14th Headline, it's huge, it's historic, it's unheard of. Drug overdose deaths spike. Now, to their credit, the New York Times, a left-leaning, obviously extremely left-leaning news organization came out with this article. I'll read the third paragraph. Several grim records were set. The most drug overdose deaths in a year. The most deaths from opioid overdoses. The most overdose deaths from stimulants like methamphetamine. The most deaths from deadly the deadly class of th- synthetic opioids known as fentanyls. This is the total number of people who died of drug overdoses in the United States in 2020 it was 93,331, almost twice the number of deaths in the Vietnam War. If you look at the article, it, it has they have a graph which is really tells the story. It shows peak car crash deaths in 72. Peak HIV deaths in ninety five. Peak gun deaths in twenty seventeen. My God, I thought you know every. I thought every month we said a peak gun death, in this country, if you, if you have a national gun obsession. But um, excuse me. So, so we went into this. We knew we were going into this. Those of us who do not live in a bubble with this opioid problem in place. And I remember seeing a gentleman on Tucker, a health expert, talking about how we went into the opioid problem with a meth problem. And the meth problem has only gotten worse, but it's been eclipsed by the opioid problem. So this is really a toxic hell that we have bubbling under the surface. In this country, and I and I hate to be so depressing, but we have to face the fact if we're going to be patriots, being a patriot isn't just about storming machine gun nests or storming the beach of Normandy. Part of being a patriot is having a concern and facing the ills, facing the society, the country at any given time, and this is certainly one of them. So it was exacerbated under COVID, like a lot of us predicted, and we weren't allowed to talk about it, and we were crazy, and... Um, And now, unfortunately, like I said, we are vindicated, but in a very, very sad way. And, you know, I I talked about in the last podcast how there's certain problems I see in this country that are very fixable to me. They're very fixable. And you could have two categories, fixable and very concerning, very frustrating. And this is one of them, because if you talk to someone or expose to people with this problem, Even if they, first of all, who are in the middle of it, who are addicted to opioids, it looks like a living hell, which it is. And even to become sober from them is a Herculean effort. There's a very high failure rate. And uh, it's a lifetime problem. People, especially fentanyl, which is mainly being pushed by the Chinese, this whole opioid fentanyl thing, there's two uh, demons you can point to. In this, two criminals. One is our own doctors in our American Medical Association, the FDA, and the other is China. Especially when you get into the really strong stuff like the fentanyl, which has been laced with other things. We are in a chemical war with China. I, I hate to, maybe, hopefully, uh, this. Podcasts will not be censored. Hopefully, LeBron James and the tech powers that be who are in bed with China let this be broadcast. But there, make no mistake, we are in a war with China. This stuff is coming in from China. It is sold dirt cheap. Whenever you sell anything as cheap as this stuff being sold, you have one goal, and that is to create more customers. It is ravaging parts of the country. It is ravaging young adults. It's particularly hard in certain cases on like white, young, white adults. So you're looking at, uh, you know, your, your normal military, a lot of the people sign up for the military, uh, young adults, late teens, early 20s, who don't plan on going to college, and now they're dying by the thousands. don't no, make no mistake, there's people still people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s who are dying of these overdoses, but I'm just saying the sweet spot is if you are a foreign adversary and you want to inflict as much damage to a country and at its military as possible... I mean, this is the way to do it without starting a nuclear war. Because, you know, the days of conventional war, anybody with common sense knows is over. It's no, There's no more Braveheart. There's no more American Civil War where everybody lines up and shoots at each other. There's no more battle to bulge with tanks and, you know, with, with nuclear weapons, with satellites, with drones, those days are over. So that's where the Chinese have outsmarted us ruthlessly by creating this problem. And so, of course, COVID just took it to a, a level that I don't think anybody thought was possible 93,331 people dying of overdoses in the United States of America in one year and again it has to be faced. I wish I could you know just do this podcast as a dog and pony show but uh, this is a serious problem. We warned about it and again it's just like climate change if you're not a scientist you're not allowed to have an opinion. You're crazy. Uh, you, all you care about is profits Uh, just with the lockdowns. You didn't, if you weren't in a medical background, if you weren't a Democrat, if you weren't Andrew Cuomo, if you weren't Gavin Newsom, uh, all you'd want to do was kill people. All you cared about is profits. Remember that, how we were putting that one particular puke that went on, um, Tucker was it and talked about how the, uh, I'm trying to think who was that idiot talking about how, uh, killing Korean war vets in order to keep stock prices higher. Just some crazy left-wing garbage, thoughtless, stupid garbage. And, you know, all of us were looking from a point of, again, American history, the history of our Constitution, combined with the statistics. I mean, if it was the Spanish or the flu of 1918 again, all of us with brains in our head that look believe in math, that believe in statistics, that believe in the truth, and we saw that 25-year-olds were getting in on Monday and dying on Tuesday, that obviously we wouldn't be, let's open the gyms, let's open the churches. That's a different story. But based on the real truth that was really happening at that time, that's why we were against the lockdowns. Now, add to that the story on CNN, of all places, another left-wing network. Cases of type 2 diabetes among children more than doubled during the coronavirus pandemic, research finds. Now, in case you're not familiar, type 2 diabetes, for the most part, is very, very, very preventable. It's directly related to diet and weight, and it's exploded during the lockdowns. Lack of physical activity, people sitting around, eating junk food, streaming videos, playing video games, stuff that is okay if you've had a long day and you're resting or just want to relax, but it's not supposed to be the focal point of a person's existence. Even though thanks to entitlement programs and just the general change in the culture, that be, that's tending to become more and more the, the focus, where that's kind of the nucleus in the atom, is drugs and video games and a life of leisure. And then you kind of float around here and there and work or do whatever if you get around to it. But, and that's another concern a lot of us had the kids, the lack of physical activity, it's probably harder for people that live in rural areas to relate to this, but many and I and I don't live in an inner city, but many of us so we're scratching our heads thinking when you have millions of people in these apartments around the country, families and kids, and again with the ruthless lockdowns in some of those blue states and bigger cities like New York, where do you even begin as far as kids getting the energy out, people staying in shape? You know, all these supposedly health-oriented people just went into complete panic and fear mode, threw their rights up in the air, and it was all uh very, very disturbing. So the truth has come out, and um truth has come out with the lockdowns. Now it's just only a matter of time what other truth is going to come out in areas where the right was demonized over the last year. Yeah, I'll give you two I'm not going to go into detail, but two other areas. If you read about Sean King, our old buddy Sean King, leader of Black Lives Matter, Inc. I differentiate between Black Lives Matter, which any non-psychopath, any non-racist is a big fan of Black Lives Matter because they don't know that Black Lives do matter, as opposed to Black Lives Matter, Inc., the money-making juggernaut that a handful of people are getting incredibly Rich off. They took the Sharpton Jackson playbook to a level I didn't I don't think anybody thought was possible as far as making money after over with, excuse me, the underlying racial problems in this country while doing nothing to help them. That's the real beauty. That's the real amazing part that takes the awfulness the whole new levels to enrich and only really actually really think about it, make the problems worse. And Sean King has been a master at that. He's going off Twitter for a month. Some of the people's uh, children who have died that he has used to make money aren't too happy with him. But I'm not going to get in details about that one. There's some interesting stuff going on in Arizona with the recount. And my philosophy with the recounts and with the 2020 election in general is, let's get some real evidence. There was cheating. There absolutely was cheating. If you don't think there was cheating, you need your freaking head examined. Um, But the extent and really what channel, what clear channel, what clear approach do we use to justify, to, to prove there was cheating, real evidence, and to prosecute it? And to me, it's been clear from day one, Mike Lindell, God bless his soul, running around talking about he's got the real, 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 real evidence. He just can't show anybody that does not work. Rudy Giuliani does not work. Bringing out mathematicians saying, oh, my God, the chances of this happening, that that does not work. What you need is a human being who says, I was the person that created the fake balance. I am the person that went in and changed the algorithms in the voting machines if all that took place. And once you have that and that person... You know, obviously gets afraid, cuts a deal, runs their mouth, tells them who else was involved. Normal, good old fashioned police work. That's what has to happen. A human being who says, "I was." Well, first of all, you gather evidence to find out a crime did take place, and that leads to a person, and then to a group of people, and then you have something, of substance, and and then when you, if you're in a state with a Republican Attorney General like Arizona, then there is real hope. It doesn't mean Donald Trump's going back in the White House, but it just shows the excisement, exposure, it, uh, if that was the case, what does it do to Biden? And like I keep telling people, worst case scenario, you have to get out of the delusional fantasy world that Trump is going to reemerge in the White House. But what this has done for future elections, between the laws that are being passed and just the fact that they know we are watching it's not nearly the passive approach where we'd make jokes about dead people voting in Chicago going all the way back to the Kennedy Nixon days and putting jokes on Facebook that there is real seismic action taking place against all of this and that has to that has to affect the The collective, I know how much they love that word, the collective psyche of the left in this country when it comes to cheating, period. So if anything positive comes from this, and there's things going on in Georgia. I mean, the Atlantic Journal Constitution, of all places, is talking about how there were ballots counted twice in Atlanta. Of course, they use the word scores because they know scores means not enough to change the election results and so they were careful with that but the fact they at least are going there is really telling god only knows uh, what will happen because of wolf being in charge pennsylvania i have the least amount of hope i mean before the just national disgrace philadelphia is and you combine that with tom wolf being the governor that i know the republicans are in charge of the senate and the um the assembly or the house whatever they call it there but the uh the Republicans are both in charge of both legislatures, but I, if I remember correctly, the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania is very Democratic. The governor is a Democrat, so we'll we'll see what happens there. But there's a lot taking place. The seventy-two thousand absentee ballots that has people scratching their head in Arizona is very telling. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But there's a lot going on where the initial emotional explosion. <laughs> I'm sorry, took place and we weren't allowed to talk, whether it was COVID and lockdowns and Black Lives Matter and riots and Sean King and the provocateurs and the election fraud. We were just told to keep our mouths shut and sit in the corner. But like our old friend Jim Comey, remember, he thought he was so cute going on Twitter with a little saying from um, Buddha, the three things that come out well, you can always expect to come out are the sun, the moon, and the truth. Well, thank you, Jim Comey. We all appreciate that, and we will keep you posted.